All right, we've asked the people on Facebook to give us some of their toughest whiskey questions, and Randall and I are going to try to answer them. It's not always a yes or no answer. It's more of a lot of the stuff that we're picking out is actually stuff that really sort of matters to people in their day-to-day -day whiskey drinking experiences. So, to that end, Spencer J asked, why do people think quality whiskey is smooth, particularly bourbons which are known for their spicy characteristics? But well, we have this argument all the time. We talk about this all so, the time. So there's two honest, things but. that I like to say about smooth. There can be alcohol smooth, which is less burny or tingly or fiery on the tip of your tongue and moves more towards a warmth at the back of the tongue. And then there's flavor smooth, where black pepper might not be as smooth as a flavor, but maybe banana or vanilla is smooth. So what are you really talking about? I think you have to break it down to what are you saying? Alcohol smoothness or flavor smooth? Because I think most, I bourbons think, are spicy. They are spicy. In flavor. But I think more people, like when I when I taste something that doesn't have that sort of, um, that harsh burn and stuff, and because I think that's what more people are talking about when they say smooth, is that back of the throat, it can be warm, but they don't want sort of a hard alcohol taste. I actually describe that more as a silky texture. I use it as a more textural term. Um, because that is really, I think, what most people are talking about is the smoothness of a whiskey being that it's not abrasive to the back of your palate. Right. But the other part that you're talking about, what smooth flavors are, are flavors that typically you wouldn't think of as strong flavors. Vanilla, uh, toffee, caramel, those type of, of flavors. Where softer flavors. Softer flavors. So if you got into like a lot of citrus or you got into black pepper, or you got into like even cinnamon. What I consider the wood spice that dries right. out the side of your Perfect tongues, I don't find that as that smooth. But I don't know what the question is really asking. We recently had a 45 year old bourbon, the right. oldest bottled bourbon known to exist. Absolutely. Right? And you could possibly say that the alcohol was smooth on it because it had been so aged, but it had such an intense dryness because it had been in a barrel for 45 years, that it was, I couldn't find the smooth in the alcohol. And right. the taste was not something that I would characterize as smooth. People so, like to, well, people like to so, say when they're doing quality and they're doing expensive stuff, they like to say smooth because that means the, it's the exact, and I think this is what exactly, the exact sign of quality, and it's certainly not. And I've had whiskeys that are smooth, that have been inexpensive, and I've had whiskeys that have sort of been harsh, that have been expensive. It's really expending on the flavor profile of the individual product, but people are using it to define quality, and that's wrong. And they're also using it because it's a catchphrase that they think people will believe that they know what they're Usually talking Usually when about. I say smooth, I do it in a sarcastic way. Right. Smooth! You know, but, um, so that's the answer to that. All right, recently we asked on Facebook for people to give us our, their toughest whiskey questions, all right? So I've been going through some of those, and I think there are some really good ones that we should actually answer. So the first one comes from Doug H. Real questions are, do you prefer unchilled or chilled filter, and what's your favorite proof? I'll right. let you go first on this one. So chill filtration removes some flavor and also some kind of solids from the liquid. So if the question is, do I prefer more flavor right. or a more processed product, which would be the filtered, the answer is I prefer unfiltered mm -hmm. or 
the more flavored version of the product. So, the, the, so the, my analogy is always the soup analogy, where it's, okay, you make homemade soup, you put it in the refrigerator, you take it out the next day, you have that layer of fat on top, right? Right. You take off part of that, of your soup, but you always leave a little bit behind, and that's because in that fatty goodness, there is fatty goodness in that. Right. There's flavor, there's mouthfeel, there's all that stuff. If you took it all away, you'd have a very bland soup. So the sort of the same thing is with that chill or unchilled. All right, this fatty, those basically those fatty acids get trapped if they do chill filtration. Lipid chains and yep. amino acid chains it's come out of suspension out. when it's chilled, right? And then they fill filter it, basically skimming off those things. But as Ryan's pointing out, some of the things that make those soups so delicious are those fatty, the coating. Right. Otherwise, it's very thin and it doesn't taste well. Now, there's an argument on whether it actually makes a difference in the taste, but I'm going to say. If well, you had a choice between won't. processed or unprocessed, right. There's the big why one. wouldn't you just do unprocessed if you can? And the other part of that too is I will say is like 98% of them I prefer unchilled filtered, period. Okay. There are some distilleries that have made some different products that have sort of like basically have accounted for that chill filtration and have basically adjusted for it. And I've had their unchilled products and I actually prefer their chilled ones better. But that's the exception and not the rule. I'd rather go for, like you said, the unprocessed stuff. Yep. Now the que question about proof strength is, um, by law, you're going to have to be at least 40% alcohol by volume or 80 proof in the States here, right? You're not as called whiskey. Right. So I guess the question that wasn't directly asked is, do we prefer a different level of proof right. strength? And I think that anything that's barrel strength or higher than 50% ABV, meaning 100 proof or higher, right. you don't want to have, you want to be able to add water and bring it down to the tasting strength that you enjoy, right? It's more like your own little personalization of that taste. Because above 50% alcohol by volume, you start to anesthetize your sense of taste with each drink. It numbs up what you're tasting. But I like to start higher to add water to bring it down and customize it to the way I like it. Here's the way I look at it. Think of uh, think of cast strength or anything that's over 100 proof as as whiskey concentrate. Right. Okay. You're gonna bring that down a little bit. I probably drink most of my stuff that are cast strength probably around the 100 uh, proof mark. Just you know my general feel of how I'm getting it. But I get to control that rather than somebody else telling me what what my drink level should be. So around 100 proof. But I like to take cast strength and bring them down to that. Um, drinking at cast strength, like you said, is sort of a silly idea. And alcohol by volume is a, is a more accurate way to kind of sure. describe it, the percentage so of alcohol. So has to by law be a minimum of 40, but if I can get it hotter and Ryan can get it at cast strength, then that's how we prefer it. All right. So we've asked on Facebook for people to give us their toughest whiskey questions. Randall and I have been going through these. And although there have been some really good whiskey questions, there are a lot of yes, no, here's how it goes, things. And we were sort of looking, we're sort of looking at some of these and going like, wow, that was funny. That was asked a couple different times in a couple different ways. And we've sort of broken the essences down on some of these things. And we actually want to sort of help explain some of the things that happen in the whiskey industry. And they are sort of common questions that we got. So here's sort of one, and I think it's, it allows for a good explanation. Jeff N. asks, your thoughts on flavored whiskeys. Okay. All right. So there you go. Thoughts all on right. flavored whiskeys. Let's start on this. First thing is all whiskeys are flavored. If you look at it from one point of view, it goes into the barrel, 
clear and with a distillery characteristic, and it comes out of the barrel with aging, changed in color, yeah. and also changed with many consider 60 to 70% of the flavor coming out of the barrel or the wood that it's stored in. So it's all wood flavored? Correct. Okay. So the question I think that they're asking is what do you think about artificially flavored or adjunct flavored whiskeys, adding things like honey, adding things like cherry or other flavors into the whiskey, uh, well, maybe even we cinnamon. About, right, we could actually even talk Red about, Hots, we, yeah, we right. could even talk about, you know, the, the different barrel finishings, if that's going. You can even start talking about peat. Right. And the, the use of peat, is that flavoring? So, I mean, let's I think let's that there that are all natural processes right. that, can, that you can kind of fall under, this is the way they did it, and this is why it became the flavors like a, of the whiskey. Sort of a tradition, Peat, historical and stuff right. like that. Okay. Distillery processes and barrel kind of being the exception. Right. However, if you're adding stuff like cinnamon red hots, uh, honey, peach, That's everything. Right. Just real, other let's flavors. talk about real flavorings, okay? So here's, here's sort of my take on it. Um, being in the retail uh, world, you know, uh, flavors are, you know, that innovation, that those, the flavor of the week is sort of things that actually drive brands and actually drive, can even drive categories. So here's sort of my take on it. I don't so much have a problem with things flavored as long as you can taste the whiskey itself in there. In the back. In other words, if I could have used vodka to, to achieve the same result, then I'm against it. But if you still drink that process, let's say it's honey flavored, but I can still take the background of whiskey, I'm okay with that. And here's why. And I think it's important to ask, like, why are you okay with it? Because here's the thing. Because you're like a drug dealer. Yeah, certainly. I just want more people to do it. No, but it does bring people to the category. So right. there Once are, you get a taste of it, you feel that the people will come back for the real whiskey well, you, as opposed to the flavored as you start to grow past that. Well, that's, that's true because your, your flavor changes and that background flavor of whiskey for most people as their palates mature is something that they, they look for. And I'm gonna give you a great example uh, in the wine industry. Most people who drink big reds, really in, in, in involved whites, white wines and stuff like that and have tried all the stuff, at one time or another were either white Zinfandel drinkers or they were like, you know, lethal milch drinkers. They were drinking with like the candy wines of the time and there, as their palates grew, some people it never changes, but a lot of them, as their palates grew and they wanted some of those less sweet and more of those, you know, those earthy, savory other flavors that are going on in the products, actually started moving towards less sweet wines. It's the same thing. A lot of people, when they, when they try coffee for their first time, they put tons of sugar and milk into it. So it's kind of like a gateway wine it's that like a gateway. opened up to yeah. other wines that most people have a, more so I think of a it's, stamp of approval. Right. So I think it's bringing more people to the, to the table. And it's allowing guys like you and me and, 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 and women out there that are into whiskeys and stuff like that, it's allowing us to have that conversation about whiskey. It's allowing us to say, look, well, I don't like certain whiskeys. Well, you haven't tried them all. It, it, it opens that door that we can actually talk to somebody and maybe actually convince them that there might be some goals better than just having uh, a cinnamon flavored bomb uh, that they're gonna shoot rather than something that they can sip and think about. I'm going to say <laughs> that there's a category for that. It's called liqueurs or cordials. I get Do it. Do not attach whiskey to it because whiskey is defined as that flavor's coming from the barrel and the color's coming from the barrel. And there, there are many famous whiskey-based cordials and liqueurs, Drambuie mm -hmm. being a Scottish one that's very yep. famous. Absolutely. Been around for decades. 
that don't put themselves in the same whiskey aisle. I mean, you could as a store owner or as a bar uh, keep with your bottles lined up in the back, put them right. together. But as a category, it's generally found under liqueurs or cordials. And I think that that's where a lot of that stuff should lie. But, but, do, you think, but do you think that, like, do you understand what I'm saying with, with, with the vodka? Oh, yeah. There are like, many, you can do I, other ways of doing it. Let's say you're drinking still that, that, flavor, that so. cinnamon, um, cinnamon red hot flavored whiskey. How long can you drink that? before you, you're like tired of that and then transition into it. There may be well, some I'm hoping people that, that never, people, they'll never do it, but there's but other ones there's other get, that are gonna I'll, be like, okay, I've had I'll take less than 1%, how's that? I'll take less than 1% that eventually go over to whiskey because that's more people that drink whiskey and they're gonna appreciate right. the stuff that we like. All right, there you go. All right, so we're answering some of the uh, toughest whiskey questions that people are asking us on Facebook. And uh, Michael asks, toughest or most controversial? He's gonna put an uh, extender in there. Here's mine. Is it okay to add ice to whiskey? Why or why not? I don't like anybody telling me how I should consume products, whether it's food or the way that I drink stuff. So if you really enjoy your whiskey with ice, that is correct for you. There are many people that love to tell you their opinion on what you should be doing. It's more of an opinion. Everybody's but got I it. am not a big fan of people butting into my business that I'm drinking or tasting. Well, it's, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one. It's your drink. Drink it whatever you want. Somebody can poo-poo it and say, like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Eh, they can have theirs their way and you have yours Correct. their way. I, here's the thing is, um, uh, Jimmy Russell, master distiller over like 60 years. I've seen him on a hot day fill a glass full of ice and pour his bourbon in there and drink it just fine. He's going to forget more about whiskey and the distillation process than I'll probably ever learn. So if it's okay with him, why can it be okay with everybody else? Many whiskeys respond very well to water or a single cube of ice being added to it. It really is for you to determine what is best for you. So the easy answer is yes and no. Depends on what you like. So, we on Facebook have been basically asking people to give us their toughest whiskey questions. And occasionally those toughest whiskey questions have turned into controversial whiskey questions. Yeah. So, usually uh, people will, you know what a troll is, right? And they yeah. sort of want, they're putting something down there because they know it's going to cause a firestorm. Alright? So, Randall and I sat down and we said, do we answer, do we do this question or not? And we said, yeah, we sort of have to. All right. So I hear this question a lot. Actually. Yeah, and I and it is a, a question, an honest question. Andrew S. asked, "Is Jack Daniels a bourbon?" And one, two, three, explode. Go. Ahead. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So to dissect this question, the first thing I would say is that bourbon is a legally defined category. It must be a product of the United States. Right. It must have at least fifty-one percent corn, and it must use a virgin charred oak cask. Right. Okay. What's kind of the unwritten and in the backstory of the rules is that it cannot have flavor added or subtracted from the process. Okay? So, technically, Jack Daniels and George Dickel, another Tennessee whiskey, are classified as not being bourbon. Right, only because they have basically come up with their own definition, legal definition, of what Tennessee whiskey is. So they are automatically put into that category. Partially. But remember that last kind of caveat that I put on? You can neither add nor subtract flavor. Yes. 
Both of those run it through what we now call the Lincoln County process, but basically is a sugar maple charcoal after as a giant filter. As a giant filter. And just like the Brita filter in your refrigerator, you're going to put in water and it's going to remove some of the harsher elements or the undesirable elements. Same thing's happening with that charcoal in the sugar maple vats that they're filtering it through. That puts them actually afoul of the law of subtracting flavor from the process and so technically they can't be a bourbon. In addition, they protected their industry by making a kind of category, Tennessee-style whiskey, so that they don't have to compete or be on the same shelf as bourbon. That's by their own choice. Right. And uh, But they're using a virgin charred oak cast, they are using corn, and it is a product of the United States. And the Asian all makes it in there too. So, in some sense, it's, I don't think Jack Daniels or George Dickel, which I'm going to kind of group together, yep. or craft distilleries that are calling themselves Tennessee-style whiskey, want to be considered bourbon. Right? So that's probably a better way to approach it. You could get into the technicality about whether you're removing or adding or subtracting flavor in any of the processes, but Tennessee whiskeys don't want to be in the same category as bourbon because they could do it by just not running it through the filter. Are they similar, are they similar products? Yes, yes. Absolutely. But the thing is, too, is and part of the other argument behind that is the Lincoln County process itself is a filtration process. It is so a filter. So now yes. all of a sudden where some of the controversy arises is that, well, if I'm chill filtering, and am I not doing essentially the same thing? Because I'm chilling it down, I'm removing, I'm removing fatty acids, I'm removing those, those lipids, I'm, I'm actually, in some respects, changing the flavor profile of the, of the bourbon or whiskey that I, I'm putting in. So if, any, if anything is chill filtered, does that now fall into the same category? Um, no, because it's not in the definition of, of how it's done. So bourbon has a very specific definition. Tennessee whiskey pretty much has a pretty specific definition of what it is. Are they similar like products? Yes. I would argue that they're, they're not, except for trolls on the internet who want them to be. Yeah, and I, I would also add, just very briefly at the end of that, both of those groups, Tennessee whiskeys and bourbons, want to be in a separate category. Right. It's not that they're trying to blur the line or do some kind of magic to confuse a consumer. They do not want to be considered on the same shelf in the liquor store. And I also say one of the things, who cares? Right. Awesome. All right, Randall, we've been asked on Facebook to answer some tough whiskey questions, all right? We put it out there, we let people send us some questions. We've been sort of going through, picking different ones to answer. Here's one that I think y'all are gonna like. Okay. All right. Bruce A. wants to know, why add water to the whiskey rather than whiskey to the water? Or does it matter? <laughs> Your chocolate got in my, my peanut, peanut butter. butter. My peanut butter is in my chocolate. To me, that's a death warrant. I'm allergic to that. All right. But um, I, I'm going to assume that this person is asking a serious question. I mean, let's go on that assumption. Try and be like coy with the question. Right. Adding water to a whiskey in small quantities can open up the flavor of the whiskey and really bring a lot of the aromatics forward and dial back some of the alcohol burn. So. If you choose to add water or ice to your whiskey, you can add it 
after it's in the glass or pour it over the glass or have the water already in the bottom of the glass or however you want to do it. Um, one of my favorite ways to taste especially a lot more subtle whiskeys is to rinse my mouth with water, still water and swallow it and then I have like a thin coating of that water that I then add the whiskey onto my palate. So you do it in the mouth? Yes. All right. Um, but then there are other ones that I have at cast strength that I really want to kind of dial it back and control that pour of water into the whiskey using uh, a straw, which are now outlawed, right? Yeah, or an eyedropper or a spoon uh, to add a couple drops of water or however you're going to get the water in there. So it doesn't matter which comes first. It's not the chick or the eggs. Well, it's a, it matters how much you want to put in. Just remember, right. you, you can't, once you put it in there, you can't take it out. Right. So that's why adding in a small amount at a time. Or I really like the, the, the I, I'm going to call it the mouth method for lack of words. The palate rinse. The palate rinse. That's out of a really good way to just get, you know, basically the smallest amount of water into the equation that you can start seeing if you want to add water, more water to, to the whiskey itself. We talked about this as an early one. I always look at like cast strength whiskeys as, as like whiskey concentrates, where I bring them down to like a flavor profile that I like, and I add just enough water to get it there, and I keep tasting it. So I sort of know after a little bit what, where I like that. Sort add of a drop, add taste, right. add a drop, add taste. That way you can't go too can't, past the point of no return. Which is that, adding that too much water. Randall and I actually do a really cool thing when we actually uh, pick barrels. Yeah, you didn't know this? No. So, uh, once we pick the barrels and we get something done, we've added uh, up to 50% water to the mixture to actually take all the alcohol out of the equation. So basically, all, we're all that's left to taste is the flavors that are in the, in the bourbon or the whiskey that we're, we're, we're sampling. By doing that, we can actually um, sense a little bit more of if there's an underlying flaw in the whiskey or if it's as good as we say it is. But that's only after we've done all the other sort of tests that we sort of go through to actually pick a barrel. It's sort of just like the final thing we do to see if there's something that we missed. And to be quite frank, sometimes even if it has a slight flaw, it really doesn't matter because you'll never get to that point. And when we're doing multiple barrels, we're doing that palate rinse just to prepare for the next right. whiskey because we're sometimes jumping very quickly between different whiskeys where most people in a bar, restaurant, or home setting are going to be focusing on that one whiskey but to, over time. But to answer his question, right, Bruce, it's you, if you put water in the bottom and then start adding whiskey to it, you, you're, you're going to add that much water to it. It's, it's, it gets right. actually a little bit more confusing. It's better to start with the whiskey and then add water as needed. All right? That's it.